Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that we can worship you. <laughs> Music is your idea. That's what Tomlin said. It's your creation. We, we were created to sing to you. We were created to, to lift your name on high, to exalt you. The angels in heaven do it, and you made your sons and daughters so we could do it as well. Lord, I pray that as we always move forward in this church that we always remember that we are a worshiping, praying church that wants your truth and your love and wants to share that. Lord, we want people to, when they walk in the room, to just leave behind all the noise, all the junk that we've carried all week long, or maybe all month long, or all year long. Some of us have been carrying it so long we let it define us. Lord, we pray that you define us and not our struggle. Lord, we pray that, that we focus and keep our eyes on you. And Lord, as we give this message of faith, that faith obeys you, and as we learn of Abraham, the father of, our, of faith, help us to just sit back and look at our journey and our life and where we're at. And help us to relate to Abraham and see what Abraham did and what you did in him and how we can look at our lives and so we can be the Abraham for our family. You told Abraham that he would be a great nation. Lord, we claim right now that the families that are here become great families in your kingdom. Even those children who are far away, even those that haven't even been born yet, even the grandchildren we don't know yet, it has to go back to one place where one person decided to place their faith in you. Help us to be that and receive that and claim that. In Jesus' name and all of God's people say, give God a praise offering. He's worthy of praise. Amen. You're welcome to have a seat. We want to thank all of you for joining us and thank everybody that's watching us online. You know, I'm going to tell you something. That young lady that came up and gave the announcements, she's not bad. She's not bad. Just want you to know she's looking for a husband. I can say that. I can say that, Mel. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I can say that. I'm your brother. I mean, I, it's, just, it's just what I'm saying. She, I just embarrassed her completely and totally, and, and my brother wants to beat me up, and it's all good. Hey, thanks for coming. I really do. I, I'm really grateful to you. You guys know all about all the announcements, so I can just focus on the word. I did ask Mel. Mel, you, you do the announcements. I, I, I'm here. My whole thought is the word. So when I start getting into announcements, I'm, I'm, I'm scattered all over the place. So she did a really good job, and I want to thank Mel. She's a, she's a wonderful part of our ministry, and she does a whole lot. She runs a church. I'm telling you, she runs a church. I, I don't run the church. I, I, I do a lot of different things here, but she's, she's done a great job. So I want to thank her for it. Okay. Today's message. Mm, mm. It's wonderful. I pray Lord that I can give them what you've given me through the whole week. You're, you're going to really be blessed by today. I'm going to try to explain to you the relationship that faith and obedience have. And hopefully you will look at your life and start understanding in your life 
sometimes you struggle with your faith and sometimes you struggle with your obedience because you're making two very big mistakes. And I'll explain that in truth number one. Then later on, I'll talk about how, how faith is, it's a marathon. It's, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's not something that, that we're just going to do for a couple of days and be done with it. It's not. And I'll explain how, how Abraham ran a marathon. And then I'll talk to you at the end about how don't, don't feel bad or think bad of yourself if you look at the heroes of faith and you look at your life and you kind of go, oh, man, I'm nothing like those guys. I can't do what that person can do. So I want you to hear me. Faith, don't, don't think it's this, this huge meteor or this big blazing light. It's not. It's a steady light. The best way I would describe it is it's a lighthouse. It's always there. And I want you to think about the people in your life that who you've loved that have been people of faith. And they weren't, they weren't these meteors. They were lighthouses in your life. Can I hear an amen of that? I think of my grandmas. They were lighthouses in our family you know, they, they, they were people that, they didn't get up and preach to thousands of people. You would just watch their faith and see how they live. And you're like, they're so strong. And we come from a very patriarchal family. But there were, there were some powerful matriarchs. There were some amazing women in our home that, that kind of showed us what happens when you get off the stage. And how you live your faith. You don't just preach it. So... This will be a blessing to you. And today we're going to talk about the, the fifth part of this series, how faith obeys God. Next week I'll talk about Sarah and how faith receives from God. So sometimes we struggle receiving. Sometimes we struggle accepting something that God gives us. So, so that'll be next week. But, but right now I really want to focus on, on the obedience and what it is. So truth number one that I want you to know is obedience grows in faith. And I love this picture because as you look at this picture, you see a stump that's dead, that's been cut off, that it's like it, it's, it's over, it's never gonna, this tree's never gonna produce any fruit. You've killed it off, but you haven't killed it off because in the middle of something that looks dead, in the middle of something that when you look with your eyes, you see there's no evidence of life in this dead tree that's been cut off, there is something in there that cannot contain itself. There is something within that root that is alive, and through that live root, there is something that's going to come out of that, and it will be productive. And there's many of us here today that you feel like that stump. You feel like that part where, you know, your life has been cut off. Something you've dreamed or your expectations, something that you wanted didn't happen. And you wonder, if like, is, is it over for me? Is this it? Is this the end of my chapter? Is this the end? Because it's the end of my dreams. It's the end of my life. Can I keep dreaming? Should I keep moving forward? Do, do, I, do I stop or, or what do I do? Boy, when you hear today's message and you compare your life to Abraham's life, you're going to see that all of us have a lot of similarities with Abraham. Every single one of us. This is why I love the Bible. Because even though Abraham has been gone for a long time, he still speaks to us. So I'm going to help you understand the distinction and the relationship that, that faith and obedience has. The Bible says that by faith, 
By faith, Abraham obeyed. What I will tell you today is the two are different. They're, they're different. But, but, but at the same time, they're, 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 there's a relationship between the two. So I'm going to describe your walk of faith in three different scenarios, right? I'll talk to you about the, um, the mixing bowl. I'll talk about the buffet. And I'll talk about the tree. And I think all of us here in this room and those that are watching, you'll relate to one of these three where you are in your faith. So the first one is the mixing bowl. So, so you're, let's say you're going to make a cake, right? Chocolate cake. In the name of Jesus. Love the Lord. All right, so you're going to make chocolate cake and you're going to make the batter. You get the butter, you get the sugar, you get the flour, you get the eggs, and you put it, you get it all, and you start mixing it and mixing it and mixing it. You have all these separate ingredients. And as you have these separate ingredients, you start making that batter. And as you make that batter, what starts happening is everything kind of comes together. And now all these separate ingredients become one. And when they become one, now they're no longer separate. So, so because they're one, you, you can't distinguish one from the other. And there's a lot of people that take faith and obedience and try to mix it together and put it together and make it in one, and, and that's not how it works. Because too many of us now, we can no longer tell the distinction between our faith and our obedience. And there's a lot of you here today, you're so confused in, in your faith and obedience, you think you don't have any faith at all, and you think that you're not saved. You put your faith in Jesus. You put your faith in Jesus. But as you start looking at your life, and you start looking at what you're doing, you start understanding they're going, man, if I were to look at my obedience, th there's no faith in me at all. There's zero. There's zero faith in me. So then am I really saved? Hear what you just did. You're basing your salvation on your performance instead of basing your salvation on God's promise. And when you start putting your faith based on your obedience, because everything's together, and, and you start looking at your performance and you start seeing that you're not the believer that you should be, then you start questioning your your faith completely because you're wondering maybe I'm not saved at all because I, I, I obey some days and some days I don't. So here's what happens. Some days I am a Christian and if I die today, ooh, I had a good day. I'm going to heaven. But then my mother-in-law showed up. Not in my house. Not in my house. You didn't hear my wife. She said, oh, no, you didn't. I heard I heard that. All right. I, okay, so never mind. And then you have a bad day. And because your performance is bad that day, or you have a bad week, or you have a bad month, or, or all of a sudden you're in a slump and things just aren't going good, now Satan comes in and goes, and you're saved. And you put your faith in Jesus. So now what starts happening, because you can't tell the difference between the flower in the batter and then the sugar in the batter, it's all kind of mixed together. You become of a person of confusion and you become a person that starts doubting your salvation again because you're looking at your performance. And, and you gotta understand, I'll say again, the word says by faith, 
By faith, Abraham obeyed. Two separate things. By faith, he obeyed. When you put them all together, then again, performance, promise, performance, promise. I don't, performance, promise, it's all together. So then what some people do, instead of that, instead of the mixing bowl, they go into the buffet. Well, you know what? I'm just going to separate the two. So if they're too different, I'm going to keep them separate. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put, I'm going to put faith over here with the dessert that has, that's, that has no calories. And then over here, I'm going to put the obedience that's the vegetables. I don't like vegetables. So we start separating the two. And then we go, man, give me faith, give me faith, give me faith. Faith tastes great. Faith is awesome. Faith is wonderful. Give me more of that, more, 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 more. You take all this faith because it's simple and it's wonderful and it's beautiful because it's based on God, it's God, it's God, it's God, and it's wonderful. But then you go, I just, I just don't want to take any of the obedience because I don't, I don't want the obedience because the obedience doesn't taste good. The obedience is difficult. The obedience is, is no fun. There's nothing fun in, in vegetables. It's just not good. It's hard to swallow. It's hard to accept. So what starts happening is you place it, you, you, you now have faith but don't have a different life. There's no distinction in your life at all because you're only accepting this part. So you're going, John, I'm really confused. Let me make it easy for you. The tree. And let's go with the apple tree. The apple and the tree are two different things but they're connected to each other. And here's what, here's what you need to understand with, with the apple in the tree, all right? Just like this right here in this picture. With the apple in the tree is this. Is this. They're different, but, 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 but they're, 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 they're connected. We don't eat trees. We eat apples. But we can't have apples without the trees. So if you want a life of obedience, the fruit of obedience, you need to plant the tree of faith. And as you plant your tree of faith, and as you plant that tree and you, you, you make a statement, you say, Lord, I am going to trust in you. I'm going to put my faith in you. I'm going to plant this tree like a farmer does, and I'm going to to." to just water this tree. I'm, I'm going to keep, I'm a, you, you, it's your soil, it's you, but, but I have a, a, a in, the, in the middle of that, I'm going to plant this. And as this happens, what's going to happen is there's going to be growth eventually. If you know anything about the bamboo tree, it's an amazing thing. The bamboo tree, the Chinese, they plant that bamboo tree and for six years, seven years, they water it, they fertilize it, they take care of it and nothing and nothing and nothing and nothing. That takes a lot of patience. I want to know who the first Chinaman or Chinawoman were the ones that planted in, like, just keep putting water, but nothing's going on. Just keep putting water, but nothing's happening. There's nothing going on. Keep fertilizing it. We're doing something wrong. We're not doing anything wrong. We're not doing anything wrong. Just keep doing what you're doing. You, you hear I'm going with this. We've been married for seven years. We haven't had children. You just, you just, just keep going on. Our, our children, man, they've, they've been with us, and it's just not working. Things are going bad. You keep you keep adding water to that tree. You don't stop because the faith you place in God, knowing that God is in control of this, knowing that you planted it on good soil, which is God's promise, you keep working on that bamboo tree. And on the seventh year, in one week, it grows 100 feet. 
it just grows a hundred feet in one week after six years of you doing something and nothing's happening and nothing's happening. Your eyes don't see it. Your senses, you can't smell it. You can't taste it. You can't hear it. You can't touch it, but you keep in that faith and you don't give up and you don't let up and you trust God's promise. Come on, somebody say amen to this. And then all of a sudden, in one moment, in one second, everything changes. And now the tree starts to grow. We are apple trees, brothers and sisters. And you just keep planting and you just keep trusting in the soil of the promise of God. And you be obedient and you just keep soiling the soil. And that's what you're doing today in church. You're in here today, you're taking the soil of God and you're working it and you're doing all that you're supposed to do. And you trust God and you believe in God and you put your faith in God. But God's not doing anything. Oh, oh yes, he is. He's just not doing it through your perception. He's not doing it in the visible dimension. But the things that's, that God is doing underneath the ground, what God is doing, my husband will never come to church. You keep coming. My children, they, they, they hate God. It, their life isn't over and neither is yours. We got, we got someone here today, and I'm not going to mention his name, but I love him. I love him. I've prayed for him for a long time. And a lot of people here have prayed. And there were times that if you were to look at the evidence of his life, you would think, he ain't going to make it. Grew up in church as a kid, he ain't going to make it. Not going to. Who are you to tell God what his plans are? How can you... Tell the Lord what he's going to do. And he's here today, and his life has been changed, and God has done a miracle in his life. And I'm here to tell you, faith just continues to obey because faith is planted in God's promises. So if today you're dealing with some performance issues where you're, you're questioning your faith, you're doing that because you're mixing the two. Don't mix the two. You just keep, keep fertilizing that tree. And in time, because it's on good soil, there will be fruit. Could you give God a praise offering for that? So this is Romans chapter 16, verses 25 and 26. And this is something that, that Paul finishes to the church in Rome. He says, now all glory to God who is able to make you strong. And he's able to make us strong. Just as my good news says, this message about Jesus Christ has revealed his plans for you that are not Jewish, you Gentiles. And watch this. It's in orange because it's an emphasis. A plan kept secret from the beginning of time. So see, everyone thought, oh, it's just for the Jews. It's just for the Jews. This message is just for the Jews. No, the good news is not just for the Jews. The good news is for everyone in the world, even people who aren't Jewish, even people who didn't grow up in 
church. Even the people who weren't selected by God by one race, not knowing that God had chosen people before the beginning of time. So now this secret thing has been revealed to people. And now watch, watch what he says in 26 and 27. But now as the prophets foretold, as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to everybody, all Gentiles, everywhere. So what? Watch this truth. Watch this blue. So that they too might believe and obey. There it is. Faith and obedience. So if you could go all glory to the only wise God through Jesus Christ forever and ever, amen. So if you go back to that picture, if I could have that picture, Selah, there we go back again. Here is faith and obedience. Here is this tree that has some life because this, this dead tree, this maybe semi-dead marriage, this struggling relationship, whatever it is that you're dealing with, this dream that hasn't happened yet. And I, time out, not a prosperity gospel preacher. I'm not into this to where you go, if you do this and you help me buy a Cadillac, <laughs> you will have all your dreams come true. That is a lie from the pit of hell. So the more you give, the more you get. It's not biblical. They take something and twist it. Because I'm going to tell you something. You can give a lot to the Lord. And for a moment there, it looks like you're losing everything. That ever happened to anybody? Am I the only one? Where it's like, Lord, I thought you were with me. I am. But I was going to get this. That's what you wanted. I got something else for you. And it might not be what you want. And there'll be chapters in your life where it's going to feel dead. And it is going to look dead. And it's going to be difficult. And the closer you get to me, the more friends you're going to lose. And the closer you get to me, the more people will kind of abandon you. And sometimes they'll even betray you. Sometimes they'll even conspire against you. But do you still love me in the middle of all that? <laughs> I'm trying, right? So this isn't a prosperity gospel like, hey, if I love the Lord, all my dreams will come true. That, that's the, no. What? what what God will give you is what you need most, which is eternal life. That, 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 that's on the other side. We're not there yet. Okay, so in the middle of that, we keep moving forward. And this is why this story of Abraham is so good. So I had to give you this, this beginning to help you understand, uh, are you mixing them together? Are you separating them apart because you only want this and you don't want this? Or do you understand that, that there's a connection there, but obedience grows as your faith gets rooted deeper and deeper into the word of God and into his truth? Your faith will grow as your roots grow deeper in Christ. All right, the more, the more your roots grow into truth, the more your faith grow, and the more you're overflowing in thankfulness and gratitude towards God. That will happen. That doesn't mean all your dreams are going to come true. Sometimes we pray, Lord, Lord, oh Lord, just give me what I want. And God says, no, you need to pray to be a stronger person in me. That's what you need. That's what you need. So don't be going, give me this gift and give me this. It's like the one who wants tres checklists, tres leches, and then cuatro leches, and then cinco leches. Stop it. No, don't go there. All right, truth number two. This is, this is, this is, oh, this is so good. So your obedience grows 
as you go deeper into the promises of God. Because remember, faith is believing in, the, in, in, in what you don't see, the unseen. All right? I don't see it, but it's there. And the things that haven't happened yet that you hope for. All right? So you know the story about Abraham. God tells Abraham, Abraham, you're going to become a great nation. You're going to become a great nation. Do you know that when God goes to Abraham in, 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 in this time, do you know that at this moment that God reveals himself to Abraham? Joshua chapter 24 verse 2 says this, that Abraham's father believed in many gods. Did you know that Abraham was a pagan? He was a pagan. He was a a monotheistic, uh, I'm sorry, a polytheistic uh, 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 family, a family that believed in many gods. His dad believed in many gods. So some people think, oh no, God only uses the people in church. (laughs) How do you think we got here? We, We were born in church. We lived a different life. Come on, somebody say amen. We were, in, we were in the world. We were of the world. We did everything the world did. We copied the behaviors and customs of this world. And then Jesus Christ calls us out of the darkness into his wonderful light. And we didn't do anything for him to call us. Abraham, before he, he hears, when he hears the message of God and he places his faith in God, he was a pagan. He wasn't a man of faith. He wasn't a believer. So don't you dare look at your life and compare it to someone who grew up in church and think that, oh, they're better people than me. God can't use me. That's Amen. That's a lie. That's a lie because when Jesus wanted to start a spiritual revolution, he picked 12 people who didn't go to church. They weren't in church. He didn't go into the church to go, let me find 12 people that are going to change the world. He picked people that weren't in the church. I think that's very intriguing. I think that's, that's a wonderful statement for you to look at your life and stop disqualifying what God is trying to qualify. Your disqualification is exactly what God wants to use so he can qualify you instead of you do. Look at me. You want to see my diploma? I don't want to see your diploma. I want to look at your heart. I want to see your humility. I want to see your willingness do you love me? I love you, but I'm not any good. That's okay. I'm, 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 I'm not here to see if you're any good. I, I use people who aren't any good because look at the pastor, right? I'll use anybody. I just need you to trust me. I need you to have faith in me. I need you to just obey me. Huh. That was Abraham. He gets this revelation, I'm going to make a great nation, a great nation, a great nation. People will be blessed by you. Look at the stars. You see all the stars? You'll have more children than all the stars that are up there. You see the shores? You see all the sand? All the sand? You'll have more children. More people will be blessed than all the sand you see right here. Me? You. Do you know who I am? I know who you are. What you're going to find out, God says, is who I am. Isn't that the life of faith? You're trying to tell God who you are instead of just listening so he can show you who he is? That's the whole life of faith. That's what we're learning in our life. We're, 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 we're walking this faith. And as we're walking in this faith, you're going, Lord, I don't understand this. You're not supposed to understand it. How many men understand marriage? I'm going to see a show of hands. I want to see how many liars I have here today. <laughs> Gary, put your hand down. We, we, don't, we don't understand marriage. 
Don't say that you understand it, but don't tell me you don't need it. You need it. You need something you don't understand. Yes or no? Ladies? Amen, right? You're supposed to tell me that. You don't supposed to understand. You're supposed to do what I say. No, don't, don't do that. It's an interesting thing. It's a very interesting thing. So I've got to take you to the before the moment or, or give you the environment that Abraham was in when this was going on. This was the tower. of so, so the flood had occurred. We talked about that last week with Noah. And then after the flood occurs, then all of a sudden there's this, this pride and this idolatry. So the culture of Cain continues to manifest itself. It hasn't gone away. Even though there were only eight people that survived through the descendants of Noah, eventually, just like the descendants of, of Abel, I mean, I'm sorry, of, of Abel, of Adam, I just changed the whole Bible, of Adam, as all that starts happening, even though, oh, we're starting brand new, even though we start off brand new, even though we hit the reset button, we're back to our same old ways. We can't escape our nature. We can't escape it. So, so these, these people get so proud and so idolatrous that they make the Tower of Babel. And as they make this huge tower that they, wanna, they want, they, they have this, this, this something inside of them that they want to create something that's so big that it's even bigger than God or it even reaches up to the heavens. Again, it's the same part of what happened in the Garden of Eden. If you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. So there's something within our nature that we want to replace God and we want to be like God. So the Tower of Babel represents that. So as the Tower of Babel starts getting built and it gets built and built, and it becomes this powerful, idolatrous monument of humanity's achievement, which represents humanism, that we can be our own gods, that we don't need God's help. We are intelligent enough to do it on our own. So man discovers what God creates and then says that, look at what we've done. You haven't done it. You discovered what God created. Science discovers what God has created. Man doesn't create it. It discovers it. Okay? But then we, t- we take credit for it. So that's, I- I'm not against science. I love science. But know that the author of science is God. Okay, and all all teachers that are scientists, and there's some of you that are here, all doctors that that are that, that have the Lord and the Holy Spirit, you know, it's like I know where this comes from. This is from the Lord. So so you go back to Genesis and you could see all that. Well, with that, so what does God do in the Tower of Babel? Right? What does He do? He He breaks everyone apart. He creates different languages, and as they create different languages, they all go in their separate ways. But let me tell you what happens. What happens now is now the new languages and the division within the world, now there is a, so what's our, what's our spiritual story? So people start going separately and start creating their own faith and their own religion based on their language. And this is where all these separate cultures start to occur. And as they all start to occur, they get further and further and further away from God. One more time, the culture of Cain now doesn't just manifest itself in one language, it manifests itself in plenty languages. And now there's a lot of different pagan religions and a lot of different beliefs all going their separate ways. Does that sound like the earth today? Yet in the middle of all of that, now nothing is written. There's no written word of God. There's no revelation of God that is written yet. But through Abraham, God selects purposely one man 
And through this one man's lineage, we'll become a people who are the Jewish people who will, who God will reveal his truth to them through the Holy Spirit. And now the word will be written. You see where I'm going with all this? So when God wants to save the whole world, he brings in one man that God is going to bless. Nothing this man has done to earn it or to deserve it. But what this man has to do is he has to separate from the rest of the culture. He has to go contrary to the rest of the culture. And this is where I'm getting at. And now begins his pilgrimage. Now Abraham will have to take a walk away from the customs and the culture of this world. He's going to have to leave, basically, the love of the world and the ways of the world now to follow the path of God because God gave him a promise. And because Abraham puts his faith in God with the promise that God has given him, now Abraham starts to walk away in this pilgrimage into a land that he's never stepped foot on based only on a promise that God has made. Time out. Isn't that the church? Isn't that us? Isn't that you? You've heard a promise that all who believe in Jesus Christ will confess him with their mouth and believe with their heart, they will be saved. And you've been promised a place in heaven even though you've never seen it. Yes or no? And then you start separating yourself from the rest of the world because now you understand you're an alien in the world that you were born in because God has made a promise to you. And when you received and accepted that promise, now you're going to go in a pilgrimage. And you're not going to walk down the path and the road that everybody else walks. And you're not going to choose what everybody else chooses. You're going to live a, a life separate from the idolatrous, humanistic society and the culture of Cain based on a promise to a land that you've never seen in your life. To a Christ that you've never met personally, live, but you, you believe that promise. It is that faith, that faith right there, and that promise that saves you. Because that's the faith that separated Abraham from everybody else that was living this idolatrous, humanistic life. Ooh. The Holy Spirit's talking to you right now, isn't he? And you're looking at yourself going, but, uh, but I look at my obedience and it's not very good right now. Okay, hear me. All right, so you're going through a tough time. Does your tough time change God's promise? Does your performance change God's promise? No, so then the issue is not God's promise. The issue is your perspective and what you're looking at. So this is when you become, quote-unquote, the term wishy-washy Christian. 
It's like you're wishy-washy. Like, Man, I got to go to church tomorrow. Why? So I can get saved again. I got to get saved again because I lost my salvation today. You're basing it on your performance. So this is the most amazing thing. So watch this. As Abraham placed his faith in God's promise, now, now that seed of faith is put in that fertile soil. Nothing's going on. Nothing's going on. After a while, after time, now, just like that bamboo tree, right? It starts to grow. Now, and the roots start getting deeper. And the roots go down. The tree of the bamboo goes down before it grows up because it's going to shoot up to 100 feet, right? And, but it ha- the, in order for it to survive at 100 feet in two weeks, it, the roots grow down so you don't see it. You don't see it, but it's growing deeper and deeper and deeper. And then eventually, boop, the fruit comes out, and now you are in obedience because you are in faith by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Faith creates that obedience. But I'm not seeing anything. Just let the roots grow deeper. You know what the redwood trees do? I've told some of you know this story. I've said it a hundred times maybe here. Maybe you're the first one that's never heard it. The redwood trees were the tallest trees in North America. They grow up to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of feet. Their roots, if you see them, they grow in clusters. Their roots don't grow down. Their roots grow out, and they get intertwined with other redwood trees. Translation, small groups. There's something within us that reaches to glorify God instead of go up to be like God. And then there's something within us that reaches out to other people and connect with other people. So if I go down, you go down. But if we hold on together, none of us will stay down. The funny thing how nature, God uses nature to reveal to us his faith. Could you give God a praise offering for that, his love for us? So I will tell you this. If you're not reaching out to other people, we had 57 women in a Bible study here Monday night. Can you give God a praise offering for that? 57 women. That's awesome. And we got men having four Bible studies throughout a week. They're, 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 they're reaching out. And now the 20-somethings, come on, now it's going to be your turn. Don't do this by yourself. Oh, I got it. No, you don't. Because I thought I had it at 20. I realized I didn't. Mama was right. Mama, you were right. Interesting. So we go back to, to this part of Abraham. Abraham has to walk away from his pagan life. Abraham has to walk away from his father's faith because Abraham is called by the almighty God to become a great nation. And through this man, we have learned the life of faith. He's a perfect example of it. So in this pilgrimage, you see that picture, it's scary sometimes. Because sometimes when you take that leap of faith, and you take those steps forward to God, you're going to remove yourself from people that you've loved or people who, who, who you've been really close to. And you're going to walk away from what's familiar. You're going to walk away at times from the shore of safety and you're going to go into the depths of doubt sometimes. And you'll go into deeper depths and deeper oceans. 
And sometimes you're wondering if God is with you or what God is doing. God is moving in your life. But the pilgrimage, it's it's not going to be one of safety. It's going to be one of discomfort. And faith only grows through our discomfort. God is going to move us out of what we're used to. So if you're uncomfortable, welcome to the Christian faith. It is. It moves you to places you, you, you could never do. Give an example. So tomorrow morning I leave for Cabo. That's great. No. I'm not leaving for Cabo to go over and do tourism. I, I, I'm leaving for Cabo tomorrow morning to do missionary work. And I got called two months ago say, hey, John, I want you to go missionary work. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go. Yes, I'll go. All right. Someone will go set it up for you. Okay. Never call, never call, never call. They call, they call Saturday morning or Friday night. Friday night. They say, hey, John, you ready? Who is this? <laughs> it's me. You're going to Cabo. Okay, when am I going to Cabo? Monday. Monday? Like this, like this Monday? Yeah. All righty then. Let me tell you something. Everything in me says, don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go. And the Holy Spirit says, go. <laughs> but I got, I got plans. Oh, I got plans. I know I'm supposed to go. It's going to create issues, but I know I'm supposed to go. I'm going to get away out of my comfort. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be in Cabo and, hey, you know. I'm not going for that. I'm going to go serve. And God's called me to go. And it doesn't make any sense on paper. But sometimes God's going to make you do something that doesn't make any sense. And you do it. Because as the roots grow deeper and the tree gets taller, then the fruit of obedience starts to happen. I'll go a step further. And if I could have Emmanuel come up. <clears throat> I've, we've lived this. You've lived it too. I, 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 we're not these, these superheroes of faith. We're just normal people who believe in a supernatural God. That's all it is. But my wife and I have experienced this. When we took our six kids and we took five in one day, we told you that. As we adopted five in one day, we broke from our plans. We, could, we had to stop doing what we were planning on doing and places we were planning on going. I had a break from what was familiar. Roseanne had to, Roseanne, the Lord basically told her it's time for you to just be a mom and not be a regional manager. And you're going to have to walk away from your big salary. Here's that pilgrimage. And you're going to go through difficult times. And there's times you're going to be alone. And there's times you're going to want to quit. But you just leave your shores of safety and go into the depths 
what I have for you. We've gone through 15 years of that. I've shared that with you already. And we're at a different journey in our life. And all our kids are out of the house. And, and we, we're, we're walking away and we're selling our home. And I've told you this two weeks ago. As we drove away from our home, it's like, wow. We did it. That pilgrimage was difficult. I had to turn down a wonderful job. And that job has won three states tournament since. But it was the easiest thing to say no to. Because if I would have said yes, I would have said yes to what I wanted instead of what God called our pilgrimage to be. Let me read scripture to you and then I'm gonna get to the third truth because it's gonna bless you. First Peter 2, 9, this, was, this is the passage that really kind of created our church. But you are not like that. Blue, truth, you're God's chosen people. I choose you. I chose you, God says. And I've made you a royal priest. I've made you a holy nation. I've made you my very own possession. You, brother and sister, you. As a result, command, show others my goodness. In this pilgrimage, your identity has been changed. In this pilgrimage, you're given a new life. You're given a new birth. You're given a new mission. Show the world God's goodness. Why? Look at this truth. Just like he called Abraham out of a pagan society and made him a father of a great nation. So I called you out of the darkness and I've called you into this wonderful light. Look at verse 10 and 11. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you're God's people. Now you're my people, God says. Once you had no mercy, and now God tells you, and now you have my mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as, don't forget this pilgrimage, your temporary residence, your aliens in this world. Why? Because your citizenship isn't here anymore. When I gave you your new identity, when I gave you your new birth, when I called you out of the darkness, I placed you in a promised land that's up in heaven that's waiting for you. Do you know that Abraham leaves everything? He packs up, picks up, and goes everywhere. He leaves all of his family. He leaves all the things that were his that he owned. He leaves his business. He leaves his community. He leaves everything to go into a promised land that's promised to him, are you ready for this? That he never possesses. Abraham never possesses the promised land. But his kinfolk do. They do. And so I'm here to tell you today, before I move on anywhere else, that there are times you wonder what God is doing. And maybe, maybe in these, these next 15 years, like for us, we saw our children and they, were, they, they, they struggled. They had a lot of stuff going on. But last night and yesterday, we had our granddaughter. Cállate la boca. When we get our granddaughter and we see her love and she didn't grow up in what they grew up in, 
before they came to our home. And we see the curse broken. That pilgrimage is worth every single tear and every cry we've ever experienced because someone in our family will receive the fruit of the root of our faith in God's promises, and so will you. Can you give God a praise offering for that? Oh, man. I close with truth number three. Well, that was long. I hope that still blessed you. Faith demands patience. The only way, the only way you're going to make it through the pilgrimage, through the journey of suffering and difficulty and uncertainty and, and, and emergencies and all of that is patience. I'll say it again. Abraham was an alien. He was an alien in a foreign land. He left what was familiar to go to what was foreign to receive what God had for him. And that's you and me. This walk of faith, this life of faith, you obey God, you trust God, you put your faith in him, you, 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 you lay down the seed, and, and, and there's times you do everything right, and there's times that everything goes wrong. And there's times in this pilgrimage that you feel like quitting. There's times in this pilgrimage when you let your feelings get in the way or your senses experience the frustration and the hurt of, of this walk of faith that's uncomfortable, that you question God or you question yourself or you go back and you question your decision and you wonder, what am, well, why should I do this? I shouldn't do this. This was the biggest mistake that I make. Abraham had that, that th those feelings. I do not doubt that he had those feelings, but he didn't base everything on his feelings. His obedience was not tied to his feelings. His obedience was not tied to his circumstance. His obedience was tied to God's promise. And when, because he placed his faith in that, he continued to move forward. You know what's the hardest time in your faith walk? Is the in-between. Let me explain that. Because we're right now in the in-between. Here's what I mean. Remember when you first accepted Christ? That honeymoon stage? That wonderful loving, like, he loves me, he chose me, I'm a friend of God, I'm his holy nation, I'm his royal priesthood, I'm, I'm, his, I'm his possession. God, you've been forgiven and you've been forgiven and that forgiveness is wonderful. Come on, somebody say amen. It's the most wonderful thing in the world. You just get, you, you experience God for the first time and you find out that God is real. And it's like, oh, this is wonderful. Just like when, just like when Abraham told, heard from God, I'm going to make you a great nation. Look at the stars, look at the sands. <gasps> wow, that part's wonderful. You know what else is wonderful? The end. When you get that. When you receive, when we, when we get to heaven, that's the wonderful part. When Jesus comes down from heaven and he establishes his millennial kingdom here on this earth and we get to be here on this earth and experience it with him, it'll be Garden of Eden-like moment all over again. That's gonna be wonderful. But we're in the in-between stage. 
We're in the in-between stage where things aren't going like you planned. You're struggling and you're wondering and you're just like, oh, this, is, this life is so difficult. I get it. I get it. When our children, when we had, when, when they, again, it's, they grew up before us in a very difficult life. All they knew was, was abuse. All they knew were police officers. That, that's all they knew. That's all they saw. So they brought that into our home and that for a while, that's all we saw. They, 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 they didn't know. They, they, they couldn't separate. And, and we're going, Lord, we did what you told us to do, but this is so hard. It's that in-between time. They're going, we trust the Lord. We, God has a plan for them. They're his children, not ours, or his first before ours. But, but, but we, we have faith in the Lord and his promises. And that we know that he is faithful and he's just and he's merciful and he's slow to anger and he's compassionate. So, so we, we, we put our faith in that and we trust that. And I, I, I can't speak for Roseanne, but I know I can speak for me where it's like, man, I don't know if we can continue. But there I go back to what I was going to talk about, about the lighthouse. The life of faith is a lighthouse. It doesn't shine super bright. It's not a light that everybody can see all the time. But in dangerous moments, it's that light that's steady and consistent and firm and solid with a strong foundation that is a beacon of hope to others that are in danger. It's not this huge, powerful meteor where everybody sees it. And Satan will look at your wattage of faith and say, you're not a meteor. Christ is the meteor. Christ is the sun. He's the ultimate. I'm just a lighthouse. And I'm okay with that. And I want you to be okay with that. And I want you to know that Abraham, here the whole time, I could just imagine, I'm using imagination. This isn't biblical. So don't, don't, don't say, John, you said, I'll say it again. This is my imagination. I'm picturing myself to just to be Abraham for a moment. We're a great nation. We're a great nation. We're a great nation. Come on, honey, pick up the tent. Let's go. We got a tent. We're a great nation. We're going to be a great nation. We're going to be a great nation. We're going to be a great nation. They're living in tents. They're nomadic. We're going to be a great nation. We're going to be a great nation. They moved to Haran for five years and nothing happened. Nothing happened for five years. Sound like the bamboo tree, right? We're a great nation. We're a great nation. God's going to use us. God's, we're, going to, we're going to bless so many people through our lives. But everything's going wrong. We're a great nation. We're a great nation. I'm a royal priest. I'm a royal priest. I'm a royal priest. I'm a royal priest. Look at your behavior. I know. I'm growing. But by faith in Christ, through Christ's love, I'm his holy nation. I'm his holy nation. I'm his holy nation. Do you see the similarities? Obey the Lord. Carry your tent in this world that we, we, we live in, but it's not ours. 
keep reading the word, keep trusting him, keep coming to church and worshiping him. Not so, not so you can get saved. We're not doing that for there for salvation. It's in our, our, our salvation is in his promise. We're just doing this in our pilgrimage to grow our strength, our endurance, and our patience. I don't know who needed this message today. Maybe I needed it. Maybe it was for me only. I doubt it. But I'm going to read this last passage to you on Abraham and help you understand this. Before we read it, I challenge you to do this. To change your perspective from a horizontal plane to a vertical plane. Your faith will grow stronger and your fruit will grow sweeter as long as you keep your perspective vertical. What was it that made Abraham keep moving on? You're going to read it in just a little bit. Is his belief in the holy city that God had for him and his family. So what's going to keep you moving on past your pain, past your frustration, past your circumstances, past your fear, past your anxiety, is focusing on what God has for you, what's in front of you, instead of what you're dealing with today. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, because this is where we base this whole series on. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed. There it was. It's by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He would give him. He went without knowing where he was going. This is the pilgrimage of faith. Look at verse 9 and 10. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. That's you and me right now. We're foreigners living in tents. So did Isaac and so did Jacob who inherited the same promise. And verse, verse 10, Abraham was confidently looking forward. And there's your walk of faith. And there's your pil pilgrimage. Look forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. You know the story when Abraham and Lot, they were growing too much and they realized, hey, we're going to have to separate. You pick one side and I'll pick the other. Lot picks the side with the most resources. He picks Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chooses the worldly city. And Abraham doesn't mind giving up the resources of the world because Abraham's focus was where? Not on the worldly city, but the heavenly city. And there's your pilgrimage. And there's your patience. You're not going to choose Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah is not for us. We don't live that life. We're ridiculed and made fun of sometimes because we love the Lord and we follow a different path than everyone else. And sometimes we get criticized because, look, you put your faith in God and all these things bad happen to you. You keep your focus on the heavenly city that awaits you. And you trust the Lord and obey him. Let's pray. 
Oh, Lord, I pray that as, as the band comes up and as we get ready to worship you, I pray that you've spoken to us today, just like you spoke to me this week about what this life of faith is. I do not doubt that there's someone watching right now live or someone in this room that is struggling with their obedience or struggling with the pilgrimage that they're on or the journey, obviously, that they're on or, or, or they're, they're impatient right now because they're looking at the horizontal circumstances. Lord, I pray that we can learn something from Abraham. And I pray that we can see his life. And as he lived in tents, he believed that you would make him into a great nation. And Lord, as we live in our world, this world here today that is not ours, and at times we, we don't act properly, let us be reminded that our salvation is based on your promise and not our performance. Lastly, I pray for that one person here in church today or watching who is basing their faith on obedience. They'll never have peace because our obedience will never be complete. But our, our, your promise is complete. Help that person to look at your promise put their faith in you and in time their obedience will grow Lord I pray now that as the band comes up and we worship that we praise you and glorify you and lift you high I pray that in Jesus name Amen. Could you stand and let's worship